यू आर लिसनिंग टू अमिंट प्रोडक्शन प्रॉट यू बाय एच टी स्मार्ट कास्ट हाई आई एम अवर कॉल एंड वेलकम टू दिस एडिशन ऑफ मिंट गुरु पोर्टफोलियो आफ्टर लिविंग स्कूल संजीव भासिन है टू ऑप्शन join delhi university saint stephen's college and train to become a cricketer just like his father or get an admission in sri ram college of commerce he chose the later basin started going to the trading floor in 1985 in life he had no second choices only the stock market prior to ifl securities basin was the director at deutsche bank as well as the hb group basin who has designed motor portfolios which are available on platforms such as small case for retail investors personally manages large portfolios of high net worth individuals bhasin who is the director at ifl securities share his portfolio details investment strategy and financial journey for the special min series guru portfolio let's listen in hi welcome to why not mint money a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth so let's get started on your money journey So my first question is, if we can begin with your family details, your educational background. Yeah, so see, I I was fairly bright as a student. Came out from Saint Columbus School. Went into I had two choices of career: Saint Stephen's and follow my father's footsteps, or I got admission in Sri Ram College. And I was always more attuned towards uh, you know being doing commerce. Though uh, it was always a legacy to stand in my father's foot. My father played for rest of India versus. West Indies. I mean, almost one step away from Test cricket. So cricket, I was a reasonably good cricketer, and uh, that was a very big, uh, you know, uh, achievement or an aspiration. But since I got BCom honors in SRCC, I stuck with that. After that, I got a first class graduate. I did my uh, half uh, internship of, uh, or until my inter, I cleared my chartered accountant also, and I did about two years of. Uh, LLB, but I did not complete it because I got caught by the stock market bug. So I started going to the trading floor, and uh, one of my uncles was a legendary, you know, stock broker. He was the president of Delhi Stock Exchange. My father was a, so I got a lot of exposure there, and my keenness was coming from a background to always explore stocks. In my life, I've had no second choices, only the stock market. <laughs> and uh, that's why you withstood all these times and trials and errors uh, over a period of uh, you know say 30 33 years right and do you remember the first stocks that you bought yeah so you know at that time i was uh, re- relatively i used to read more and couple of ba- you know balance sheets were not easily available somewhere in the library or somewhere in past portfolios maybe my father had so i was very keen on holding uh, i had uh, jotted down that i must own uh, mnc stocks and that time pharma mncs were very much in the you know vogue glaxo was available at 30 or maybe uh, you know one of the stocks which made me lot of money came from the principle that one of my father's friends on the trading floor he could speak mm-hmm. neither hindi or english but he recommended a share in punjabi so ponds was 50 5 rupees Seven years later, or ten years later, it got merged with Lever. Then it and the Pond brand is still strong. So Pond, Lever, uh, uh, Pond, Glaxo. These were some of the names, uh, you know, which I started my career and which were the correct ones. And there were a lot of mistakes which I made, you know, over a period of time. Any stocks that you remember that you uh, like took a hit in? So the first one which I burnt my fingers was Loya Machines (LML). It was a forward derivative stock. 
and Loya was ruling the roost as far as the Vespa and the scooter. But uh, there were inherent problems of management and so on, uh, stroke, uh, you know, and I burnt my hands in that. Secondly, there was always the urge of getting into a newly formed IPOs, which got listed. They gave you a pop on the premium uh, on the listing, but uh, those were not sustainable because it was a lot, very much the era of crony capitalism. And crony capitalism meant that promoters were very, very shady and they wanted to play the markets. So promoters had to be very, very watchful which over a period of time I realized that all this is just to entice you to get in but some of the promoters did not have the correct credentials and this was a big learning experience that don't trust money which comes easy. Right. Uh, any investment strategy uh, in your earlier days that you were following? So my simple principle always remained that if I have to make capital I have to start you know, I have to do the trading side. So my coexistence was what the trading side, what the badla system was. And when I earned money from that, I generally put it into good stocks. So like you said, you know, that time there was an arbitrage between Delhi, Bombay, Calcutta, and most of the MNCs were traded in Bombay. And we used to do this arbitrage window that we could get odd lots cheaper in Delhi. So I used to do a lot of odd lot accumulation at a 30%, 40% discount, you know, giving people day before yesterday's rates and uh, not cheating but taking advantage of the odd lot because you had to get them transferred and there was a whole process of six months which could take but i was very successful in creating those odd lots which which you had to then subsequently get split into lots and that yielded a lot of money but you needed capital for that so i tried to coexist on creating this odd lot system with the uh, trading side it worked for some time but then uh, i learned the hard way because speculation was also Harmful in the sense the adrenaline rush when I was young was high and you took more risk than you bargained for without understanding a lot of the nuances of the market. That time our market was solely dependent on India itself as a demographic and stock markets were not well rehearsed. But like I said, that is when I realized that you have to create portfolios if you have to create long-term wealth. Right. Uh, so when would you say serious investing started happening for you? So, after that, I got into more of the intellectual side. I, went, I became a very big institutional broker. I uh, used to work and, uh, and my uncle's this thing and I went to Bombay and I understood what institutions do. So, I had a good reach with institutions. I understood how it worked. You know, those times were good old days. The Form A contract used to work. You could buy, you know, on an offer basis, a lot of lots and you could make money as you, you could transfer that to prospective buyers and sellers. So I started learning what institutions buy, how they operate. You know, that time LIC and UTI were behemoths. They were the giants, you know, and they could call the shots as far as the market. And that's when you realize what their tendency to be overweight on heavyweights or the index-based stocks and why they prefer that because they realize that uh, downsides or a beta are limited. Plus, these are predominantly names with brands and which have an historical background of good promoters. So all that prompted me then to learn that that was the first time I got into a lot of the institutional broking. You know, just to give uh, you a which, brief. Which year was it? So I started in 1992, right up till 2001, two. I was a very, very active institutional broker coming from Delhi, coming from a background. Uh, I was well versed in my, you know, uh, interactions made sense to the fund managers and so on. I'll also tell you that, you know, UTI India Fund was the only uh, foreign fund which had raised capital. And in 1999, I bought 70 lakh shares of uh, Hindustan Zinc from them at 9 rupees. Can you believe that? 
and in the end it went to the promoter i made my 10 paisa in that you know because it was a but i knew i knew well what was portfolios were allocated where and where you could make a killing in the sense where you could get the stock or you could sometimes pass it off that was when the advent of uh, you know the new age brokers and the morgan stanley started to come which opened the market up much more and so on but that time bread and butter was uh, you know the local mutual funds and the big behemoths of uti and lic right uh, so how has your investing strategy changed over the period right now uh, if i talk about how do you invest today so today it's a very very clean wicket you know if i handle client portfolios it's predominantly that i give them stocks which we know have lasted the times so 50 55% is always in large caps and which are you know uh, you know the run of the mill or which have always performed <clears throat> secondly my theory is keep 30% cash because that gives me these trading opportunities clients are not fast enough because either they get too attuned or they stay too distant so i tell them that this, i have to keep creating capital so i have this uh, unique way of keeping 30% 30% of cash in hand which gives me smaller opportunities which means that rather than 3 months if i get a call and i make it in 3 weeks all deriv all uh, cash i i try and encash that so i use that 30% or 25% as most portfolios in creating but predominantly in large well rehearsed names and depending cyclically on how the sectors are rotating uh, you know just to tell you in the last 6 months i was one of the few who did get hurt little bit in the initial fall of the it but i realized that it is underperforming and i should be more overweight banks so i went from underweight it to overweight banks which played out very well my contrarian plays of consumers played out very very well so shifting the portfolio in tune with the times and the trends is part of my rehearsal now and all this comes after years of uh, you know solidifying your mistakes and learning from them sir coming to your personal portfolio Uh, what's your current asset mix in terms of percentage terms uh, equity debt uh, gold real estate alternative asset class and you can give ballpark percentages here so look i uh, as a compliance measure i cannot trade on my own self and i don't do much of the investment because a lot of the retail and the clients which are dependent so that as a principle but if i told you i am a 65% equity man even today i'm 59 i'll be turning 60 but i will not keep below 65% in equity that component would be 10 to 12% gold as an asset would be my but my real estate holding has started to go up so whatever capital i created in the last 3 4 years has gone into creating an asset of uh, fixed asset of real estate on the alternate asset my my biggest investment would be my stock options i don't delve into other things because of compliance reasons um and uh if you can talk about how do you zero in on a stock how do you select a stock is there a process any parameters on which you select them so firstly my my way of thinking is market cap a i don't look at anything else except market cap then b i go to the balance sheet and the parameters and c the promoter must be must be of uh, you know a, a pedigree background that those are the three necessities but if the promoter is gone through a problem because of debt or restructuring or whatever as long as his credentials are good i will not hesitate in if i get the right valuation so valuation comfort comes to me but market cap is very very necessary and upon that i work on how this can create wealth over a period of time 
so a lot of my stock pickings are dependent on you know top down basis where i see value but it has to be in tune with what the sink is around me so just to you know for example that when adani's bought ambuja i was the first one to buy give a recommendation at 330 on ambuja given that 38% of cement costs are logistics and power now having been in this industry my uh, my strength is that i interact with a lot of companies corporates and what goes on fundamentally and that has been a, a learning you know whether it's steel or tata steel what the coreest plays are now this has been a learning experience it doesn't come overnight but i can by heart tell you numbers on cement steel or some of the you know ferrous non ferrous side because those are built into it and i you know track those on a on an international and local level so 320 330 ambuja turned out to be has turned out to be a very very good investment and that i think can go miles because you know that cement is cartelized and now with the andani's coming in it will make two or three large players take more market share so first parameter you mentioned was market capitalization uh, any preference you have there uh, small cap mid cap large cap it doesn't matter it depends on your risk taking and what capital i can process but if i do choose a mid cap which can make money then i will put money whole hog in the sense i don't put small money i'll give you a small example last year uh, last year at around 18 19 i saw that the promoters of one group of real estate had some quarrels amongst themselves but they were buying the right uh, you know uh, uh, what we call uh, they were they were in the real their right business but there were some problems in that and that stock was available at 18 rupees itself now the the market cap was at a very very low level and i know the level of uh, holdings which they had in in and around gurgaon i stay there so i put my money and i put lot of money now that 18 in the covid time of 20 of 2020 april may has turned out to be 120 rupees i cannot disclose the name but these are the types of investments which which if you have the confidence it will come later first what we used to do is put small money and think of an idea which can go up and then we realized that if we had committed much more capital you could have made money so once you are thorough with your search and the market cap is behind you then you can really you know go 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 the extra mile and only will wealth will be created if you commit more capital to it uh, and would it be possible to share how has your portfolio performed over the years uh, let's say 10 or 5 years uh, your equity portfolio debt portfolio how is how they have performed Oh, look when i joined the market in 88 a very uh, senior uncle of mine he used to do all the refurbishing work for tata steel you know an engineering company and he knew tata steel numbers by heart he was a very learned gentleman and that time there were no computers so he could tell what the monthly and the quarterly numbers is no company came out with quarterly guidance so he told me to buy a share called tata honeywell Honeywell had just got listed in '88. 51, 49 was the ratio between Honeywell and uh, Tata's, and I picked up a thousand shares. Upon that, I got a right at 35 rupees of five to three. So I got 16.50 shares at an average of say 42 or 43 rupees. But with that, in seven years, I could it went to 750 rupees, and in those five years, as five or seven years, I could buy my first land, uh, house. so the capital which came from that was huge only mistake is i still have 275 shares left and the price of honeywell is now 45000 so even though the land prices have gone up the 
So a lot of my stocks did well. The other one would be Havels, which I I used to do institutional broking and GIC mutual fund had a big chunk which they wanted to sell. So I went down to meet Mr. Kimatrai Gupta in Underhill Road. If you came ever to Delhi and you saw near university, Underhill Road has all 2,000 yard plots, meaning the elites stay there. And from his interaction with his son, I could make out that this could be a, you know, huge outplayer in the consumer electricals because their marketing was not good since they were tight-fisted yet. But the young generation seemed. That has created a lot of wealth that is still there in my portfolio. And Havels from less than a thousand crore is worth about 35-40,000 crore today. And I still think this can double from here. So these are some of the good investments. Along with that, there were a lot of the junk ones also. Which over a period of time you realized you have to get out. The problem was, or what most investors make is that they buy and then when when they underperform, they don't have the heart to sell it at a loss, and that only escalates it. And you don't have then the capital to commit to others, and then you either turn the stock market to be a fraud, or you've been conned. It is not like that. It is your stock selection, which is why you are seeing today the advent of mutual funds take whole heart. And this SIP being a very very powerful instrument. Uh, so, would you say these stocks have contributed most to your wealth? Yes, yes. Uh, surely now I have a good portfolio, uh, you know, which it comprises of mostly some of the, you know, if I had say say I have uh, Ashok Leyland, which was just eighteen rupees and which is now a ten bagger, eighteen rupees on a ten rupee paid up share. Some of the Havel, some of the other names which I took, Indusind Bank is. I mean, I must be having it less than hundred rupees, and so on. So a a a, flow, a, a basket of stocks. But like I told you, I mean, uh, now in the last five years, I have not churned my portfolio much. If only it has gone through mutual funds because of the prerogative of compliance and being being in a position where I don't want to be biased on the stocks calls which I take. Right. Right. And uh, how many stocks do you hold in your portfolio? Number of stocks, or is there any target that you look at? Not more than this, and uh, not less than this number. So originally those the, those mistakes were there, but now it's on a percentage basis on uh, you know sectorally. But like I said, uh, now the stock selection will be in an elite few. That also stems from the fact that age is caught up, so you want to be more on the safer side, and we will go with the tried and tested ones. But like I said, for client portfolios, I am always on the lookout where I can get a bargain and market cap can give me an opportunity on the right business, and that will be an ongoing process. Now, if I made another disclosure, I have added at 55 rupees a lot of Zomato to some of my client accounts. More to do with the on the face level that I think that that is an outstanding business and the potential is large. But my caveat to most of the clients who have made buy is that for two years you don't have to track quarterly numbers. Now, if you want to double or triple your money, you will have to just sit through this and let the maturing of the stock or the business take place. So there is risk which is taken, but partially. But when the opportunity comes, so the opportunity didn't come at 120, but at 55, I thought it's a very good uh, risk reward. Uh, now talking about the uh, overall market. Uh... Are you shifting between market segments in your uh, personal equity allocation? Uh, example, like uh, moving some from small cap to large cap, given the market condition. So, whenever the opportunity comes, the last three years may have been the best as far as mid caps go, but there was a lot of pain in the last five years. And some of my picks, you know, in fact, before Mr. Davani picked up India Cement, 
I had a huge uh, client holding around 75 rupees, and that underperformed for more than six months. It is only when we got to know Mr. Dabani's stake because I realized enterprise value to EBITDA that was one of the cheapest cement place we ever had, and all because of some you know internal issues between Srinivasan and his son and brother and so on. But the amazing thing was that the brand of India Cement was a very big market leader. So, like I said, that you know, those one or two years were very stressful as the stocks on the mid-cap side didn't perform. You know, say another one was Bank of Baroda at 50, 55, 60. We kept struggling. But when the time came and these last two years, uh, mid-caps have definitely outperformed. Now, also I'll tell you, it's a myth that mid-caps will have a high beta or a low beta. Mid-caps suffer the maximum when the markets start to go down. Not because of the beta. It's because The collateral risk of losing in derivative means you sell your winners, and similarly, when people make money on the derivatives or the trading side, then they try to invest more in midcaps to offshore their capital. So midcaps are a corollary of making money by the trader or losing money. That is what I realized over a period of time. Right, right. And staying with the markets, uh, are there any sectors that you are bullish on and sectors that you are bearish on? Yeah, that's a good point. Now, when I worked for Deutsche Bank for five years, I was running the prop book in my second phase of business. I was in Hong Kong, and when I worked for the bank, it was a prop book meant that you had to be hedged most of the time. On on paper, all like looks good, you know, that you don't lose money on the mark to market, but it also meant that you have to control your mark to market. So you cannot let greed, you know, play out on the just being singularly long or short. And that's when I realized that. hedging is always important hence my sectoral turn or when i give a call in the morning i write the market mantra every day from 6:30 to 7 and i don't write it impromptu i make it a point to write it live in the sense i know what will be strong with a weak dollar or a strong dollar commodities interest rate bonds hence the call on buy or sell on a derivative side which has an efficiency of 73% in the last 5 years that's not a mean achievement uh, now obviously you are aware that it took a back seat for reasons even though it's the best alibi to a weak rupee but we thought pharma would be a good substitute and sun and sipla took a part in our portfolio we also realized that banks are you know having a very good liability franchise and large caps are gaining only more market share hence the advent of kotak and icici got more space and then we keep Keep rotation on the stocks, but that's because I do this 365 days, 24 by 7. Uh, my inkling on global and local factors plays out uh, reasonably well. And overall, for your personal portfolio, uh, one strategy that has worked for you, and one strategy that didn't work. So the the problem is that you know when you read Warren Buffett and you take few examples, you think you are wedded to a stock. and sometimes uh, even though those stocks reached much more than what you expected you held on because you felt that but the advent of time taught me that those you know because when they go up five times and they fall more than uh, half of that you are very reluctant to sell but i realized later that if you have to make money and be in the market you will have to constantly appraise yourself of the businesses which keep moving and changing parts you know who thought that Uh, cameras will be dead and all will be smartphones or what an apple can do so i think adapt, adapt adaptation has been my key mantra and i i, I take cognizance of that uh, 
but like i said staying invested is my only key goal so it's easy to say you will time the market it doesn't happen in these 30 years that's the biggest experience i have that you have to be there uh, you know hail uh, sun or rainfall there is no there is no uh, substitute of trying to time the market the trading side is definitely very keen in the sense that's where we know how to make money on options and so on but that persists so sometimes passive portfolios also give us money because we tend to use the options way of earning uh, over and above income on that but the hard lesson was that never stay wedded there will will always be another entry point and if you learn to take your make money you must take home your profits and and last question on your personal portfolio do you invest in international stocks no i have not had any but when i was when i was with deutsche bank at that time since i was paid in currency and we could do that i bought some city bank stock at that time which uh, was in a distress sale because of uh, you know the issues with lehman brothers and so on and that turned out to be a five bagger in the next 3 years that was my only investment which paid out very rich dividends but after that i have not done any overseas investment so some uh, personal finance uh, related details uh, how many months of emergency fund do you provision for and any particular form do you keep it in so you know at at 60 years of age by the grace of god capital is not an issue in the sense but i do keep liquid cash or in the sense uh, liquid in my account uh, however uh, if you ask me this 20 years back it was always uh, you know hand to mouth in the sense always invested and fully invested not knowing what tomorrow is so there was a hard struggle at that time sometimes you had to liquidate you because that was the initial burn of not having that much secure capital and learning from your mistake but now of course uh, you have already your pre planning my daughter studies abroad i have my son's restaurant which is a lot of the things which are so inherently uh, the idea of fully investing is less and holding cash is a very very big predominant uh, feature which has come into my gauge now in the last 5 years right right so uh, you keep emergency fund in uh, bank savings accounts yeah mostly in the banks we are not i am not that smart to go into fixed income or the liquid funds it's lies in the bank but at least 8 to 12 months is what i have as a you know a free secure money uh any lifestyle change uh, that has come during the covid lockdown that uh, you think will become permanent now so uh, very good point i didn't imagine that so many people uh, will take to you know the tvs because everyone was locked down at home and that made me a real hero in the sense i was one of the few who called the market bottom at 8000 and that puts a lot of pressure because now uh, you are always under pressure of performance you know if you give a call and so on so that meant that my updation process became huge but i realized that work from home is is a, is not easy in our type of setup so i've been i mean you know for one year i was the only one with one of my worker who was coming to office just two people in an office and a massive office because we had the ease of the systems and so on the second thing which i learned from covid was that always keep more cash on hand because emergencies like this have never been witnessed in history and thirdly uh, seeing a lot of my uh, known people and some you know some of my friends also who relatively they all felt that uh, we are in a weak spot as far as an occurrence like this so it let let, let you know told us a lot of the things but now what has happened is uh, the reluctance to spend is gone gone away you want to take 
uh, advantage of lifestyle which have changed travel tourism so you are living life for a second time given that uh, you know these two years lockdown went i'm also a very avid traveler pan india that's part of my job in smaller cities now you won't believe last 16 weeks i've been traveling non stop on saturday sundays because investors come to meet me and so right. on so i think the real beauty of india is in the smaller cities and uh, i have no temptation to go abroad i would rather spend my <laughs> other life also spending uh, you know visiting smaller places in india sir next question is what does wealth mean to you so wealth is a means to end there is uh, there is no such thing that which we are you know so adaptly like it i can't live without it by the grace of god god has been kind we bear it but like i said means to end i am not such a uh, person who is very possessive about things it can come and go and that's what the market taught us that life and markets coexist if you know how to balance yourself so i am rather balanced and we're rather humble as far as money goes Uh, my last question is how do you identify yourself as an investor so i would say reasonably well but i am not such a adept investor because of the timeline you know now if i could really sit on to big big winners then it would be different and i have a different way of thinking what most people say you know you hear a lot of the investors who say don't even drink tea and water but save the money for stock it doesn't work that way i am a true punjabi and i live life king size so there are no shortcuts to make money but there is there is there is only one line of making money and that is stock market so if you can adapt yourself to both sides you will be reasonably happy the, the main thing in life after 59 years is that i am very passionate about my job and even though it's very stressful maybe i'm having my best time now that is from my side uh, it was pleasure talking to you okay abhinav thank you that's it today If you have any questions you can write to us at mintmoney@redlibin.com if you want me to cover any specific topic dm me at @abnokole twitter to stay updated on this podcast follow hd smartcast on facebook instagram twitter youtube and linkedin to listen to more such podcasts log on to hdsmartcast.com or suno nay nazariye se This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.